In the beginning, there was darkness. Then, there was Paul Brown. Paul Brown transformed the game. Hello, Paul Brown here. Good morning, Cleveland. It's the Jack and Paul show. It's a Sunday. No, it's Easter Sunday. Jack, how are you, buddy? It's good. It, it feels weird, like, because this is the third day off, it almost feels like it should be Monday and I should have gone to work today. But I'm having a great time and really looking forward to tomorrow as well. Yeah, first question, actually. Um, do In America, do they take four days off for the Easter break, do you reckon? I don't think so. So let us know, listeners, do you take four days off for uh, Easter? That's a good Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and Easter Monday. So, Jack, just really quickly, mate, East Thurrock, what's going on, mate? Have you been relegated yet? Not officially. My non-league team is hanging on there for another couple of days, so uh, probably going down tomorrow, um, which will be the penultimate game of the season, but uh, it's not looking good. And tomorrow, you're going to go to the game or are you going to come to my draft event? I'm coming to your draft event instead. So, um, And then on Saturday, I won't be at our final game of the season. Um, unless there's something on it, I'll actually be watching day two of the draft. Um, but I could. If, if it comes to it that there is something on the East Thurrock game, I will not be watching day two of the draft and I'll catch a repeat of it when I get home. Hang on a minute. Day two of the draft will be... One o'clock a.m. UK, is that correct? Um, that's day one. Day two is a much n- more normal time. Okay. Okay. So what time, mate, I want our listeners to help me out on this question, or even yourself. What time does, does it all start for us in the, in the UK? So in the UK, it's Friday is at one o'clock um, in the morning. That's round one, yep. Yep. And then day two and three, I believe, kick off at 5 p.m. UK time. So um, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's that. It might be slightly different because it might fall different times where the clock moves. But um, I'm pretty sure that's it. Oh, excellent. I'm going to be over in Barcelona trying to do some reporting while having a few Jaeger bombs. So it should be uh, quite fun. Or maybe I'll be a, bit, be a bit cultured and have some sangria and do some uh, reporting on the um, uh, draft. And then I've got to get um, Avengers Endgame in on the Friday. That's the key thing. I need to go watch that. And tomorrow is uh, the the UK fans putting on a fans event for NFL guys. I think we're going to have about 100 NFL fans in London, all 32 teams represented. And uh, it's going to be great. Three rounds of mock draft. Yeah, I'm really buzzing for it. I've got a Roger uh, Goodell mask already, so it's going to be great fun. It should be a really good event. I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, you put a lot of hard work in, and uh, let's go have a cracking day. All right. Well, anyway, well, look, we're not a Jack and Paul podcast or a London podcast. We're a Browns podcast. So let's start off. It's been loads and loads of Browns news going on. No, not really, actually, at all. But did you see Dorsey's press conference? Um, I saw the key headlines of it. Um, he's up for taking a quarterback. 
Duke Johnson's back in the game. I think that's just trying to increase trade value um, because I reckon the offers he's getting haven't been good enough. Um, I, I, that was sort of the, the key stuff. I any, any ideas of what you reckon he'd be getting offered at the moment? Six and sevens for Duke? I think it'll be stuff like, we'll give you a fifth, you give us a seventh um, from, say, the uh, Eagles which is, is nothing in the grand scheme of yeah, stuff. Yeah. Fifth round pick versus a seventh. Meh. Yeah, it's not, um, it's not great. And like, if you think it's quite funny that Hyde got a five, was it? A fifth round pick, Hyde? Yeah. And Duke can't... Uh, we, we don't know, but I'm guessing Duke can't get a... Uh, <laughs> fifth at the moment. Yeah, and I, I think part of the reason for that is um, he signed up to this deal. Um, and that it's just... It was a bizarre move. If... If Dorsey wanted to commit to him, which he did when he paid him, it's not like it's a... He's not on a previous regime deal. Dorsey put Duke on this deal because he believed in and wanted Duke and now he's sort of changed his mind, said he's expendable, but not quite yet. It's it's bizarre. I think there's a lot of value to had. I would rather have him as a slot receiver because his value um, on his contract is far superior to the other slot receiver we've got. And um, I, I think there's easy moves we can make out there. Is it bizarre or is it simply uh, we've now got Hunt and he's a potentially an all-better running back? Well, I just don't think they made much of Duke Johnson last year. I know he's out there for a lot of slap, snaps, but he wasn't like they had him as an important part of the game. Um, it's, it's an interesting one. But since he's been in the league, I think... He's the running back that's had the most receptions or the most targets. So it's it'll be one of the great mysteries of the NFL for years to come of why Duke Johnson just didn't work out in Cleveland. The talent looks like it's there. Um, yes, there is sort of a bigger hype train around him than there is. Running backs aren't going to change the game. I'd move him to a slot receiver and I think you'll get some real value and then drop him in as a third down receiving back when you need him. Uh, something I took from the uh, press conference was Dorsey kept stressing best player available. And um, yeah, here's a question for you, Jack. Best player available. If the best player available is a wide receiver at 49, could you see Dorsey taking a wide receiver at 49? I, I, I think he possibly could. Um, but it, it, lots of times you hear best player available. No one actually means it. It's usually best player available within three to four position groups. Um, so it's not sort of truly best player available because if we got there and the best player on the board was quarterback, there is no chance John Dorsey's taking a quarterback. Um, so stuff like that, you, you hear best player available. No one actually ever means it. They're talking about within three to four position groups. So it's very much... The two strategies are you get there and you sort of, as the Raiders did last year, we need an offensive tackle. We're going to take who's there. It would have been McGlinchey. They took Colton Miller. And then you've got the other end of it's best player available within three to four position groups. So you're like, oh, we, the Browns are very much in a position. We're going to take the best corner, safety, three-tech, offensive tackle. I'd say that's probably what they're looking at. The best player between those four positions is who the Browns will draft. Um, and I, th I think that's what it's actually meant by best player available. Okay, yeah, good. Thanks for that, Jack. And um, yeah, the only other thing he kept on stressing was, and I, I felt a bit sorry for Dorsey because everyone in the media kept saying the same question basically to him. 
and uh, he just basically said every position is up for being upgraded, which is uh, which is great, really, when you think about it. Like no no uh, no team safe. He did say some uh, interesting stuff about the tight end room. I noticed that he was really happy with the four people in that room, but as we both uh, discussed before. We could definitely see some uh, changes in there, uh, especially around Seth Valve, I think. I, I think this could easily be Njoku's last season. Um, and I don't say that. I love Njoku. I think he could be the best NF, the tight end in the NFL um, within the next year. Um, but just Dorsey doesn't seem like a fan. He's questioned elements of his game a few times publicly. And the not my guys stuff, it's real. So I, I think... It wouldn't surprise me if Njoku... I don't think Njoku's going to get a second contract with the Browns. Um, I don't know if he'll even um, be here at the start of next season. I think he could be a trade after this season. Well, guys, we need to make a note of this because Jack at on Easter Sunday said that the, the David Njoku could be here. So it could be a great claim uh, made later in the season if he's not here in the season. But oh, It'll be um, here until the end of the season. I'm talking... Okay. Next training yeah. camp, he might get traded in. But he's still got a... It's crazy where the years go. Um, so next year would be his fourth year, is that correct? Yeah, this is his third year. Wow. Next year's his fourth. And you've got a fifth-year option in there. Wow, these years are just flying by, aren't they? Yep. So, so go, um, go, go. Yeah. Um, yeah, let's see. I, uh, he needs... We said it last year at the start of the season. He needs, he needs a breakout season. I thought he had a good season. It wasn't an amazing season. It was good. Is that fair? Yeah, I, th- I thought he was He was solid. Um, he was sort of flirting on sort of that 8 to 10 range, I think, off the top of my head. I haven't really looked at it to peg it at a better level, but I would say he's sort of, he, he's in the top 16. Um, probably, yeah, 10 to 16. All right, great. Mate, we're coming into draft week. Big exciting week. I know you love it. I used to love it a lot more. I'm going to be really honest with you. I loved it more when we're picking first, fourth, more first round picks. Really like mind boggling. Like if we do this, if we do that. But I'm going to be honest, this year I've kind of lost a bit of draft love. So, uh, but Jack, I know you're super excited. Yeah, no, since the OBJ trade, from a Browns perspective, I honestly haven't taken that much interest in the draft. I've been really busy, so whereas last year I was listening to loads of the coverage every day, really hammering it in, I'm more just, I love the event of the draft, so I'll be up watching it. Mate's a Raiders fan, so um, there'll be a lot going on there, and that's going to be really interesting. Um, so no, it's, it's going to be more fun watching the spectacle rather than getting that bogged down in what's happening Browns-wise, because in all likelihood, we're not going to see anything day one. There might be that trade back in right at the back end of the uh, draft. I'd rather we didn't, but um, you never know. Yeah, so Jack, what are you going to go with this week on your 49th pick? The 49th pick, I'm still going Justin Lane cornerback. I still think the wild card, if I had to predict the wild card, is Yodney Caduce offensive tackle. Hmm. So the same old stuff, mate, every week from you, same name. You are very confident about this guy. I just, I think it'll be a corner. I think that is the Browns' biggest need. And um, for me, 
that's where the pick makes sense. It'll be the secondary. It'll be cornerback or safety, unless there's an offensive tackle that they really like there, or a three-tech that they really like. Well, I'm going to back up the Draft Network, who are uh, looking after us tomorrow, doing our gradings for our uh, London draft. And they've gone with Donald Savage safety. Any views on that, Jack? No, I, I, I think safety or corner makes the most sense where the Browns address. Um, we're going to see a lot of nickel and dime packages. So there's not going to be those three linebackers on the field very often. You're going to see five to six DBs. And that means you need the extra safety, ideally. And in all honesty, the two safeties we've added um, via free agency and trades this season, they're not good enough. Um, I know we've paid Burnett a lot of money, but that don't mean anything. Um, they're going to be looking to upgrade that position. So I, if I had to guess, I would go safety cornerback. That's the second and third round pick. And that's, that's probably where I'll be uh, angling tomorrow unless there's an offensive tackle that I really like. Excellent. And what else have you been seeing going on in the uh, um, social media world, Browns world this week? So I've been looking a bit more at the schedule since it came out. I'm not too bothered in the order we play teams, but uh, Warren Sharp does lots of really fascinating information. So Pink popped over to his site and I'd recommend it, sharpfootballstats.com. And just looking at strength of schedule. And the Browns have got the fifth easiest schedule this year, which is a fantastic position to be in. Last year, we had the 30th easiest schedule. So a very, very big change. And it's the biggest change from last year to this year. We've obviously gone up 25 spots there. So it's a nice place to be. We are the only team in the NFL playing two of the top 10 teams. So most, most teams are playing five of the top 10 across their 16 games. Um, we are the only team in the NFL playing only two of the top 10. So we've got it nice in that perspective. And then if we look at, in terms of the bottom five teams in the NFL, the Browns get to play four of them this season. So there's some really, really nice stuff. Just his current projections, and this was based on um, his numbers from the 31st of March. Um, He's predicting 9.1 wins for the Browns this season, um, which is good. I I'd take that. That'd be lovely. And then just looking at his numbers last year, his strength of schedule comparison in 2018, he had the Browns playing 11 teams that were meant to do better than one team with equal record and four teams that they were favoured to beat through strength of schedule comparison. This year, we're playing 14 teams with um, a worse strength, a worse strength and quality of schedule than us, and only two that have got it easier. So uh, we're in a nice position there. You've obviously got a really tough game, the Pats and the Rams. Everything else is fair game. Yeah, here's a, here's a question for you, Jack. If the Browns went eight and eight like next this season, would you think that's a good or a bad season? I think it depends on where you finish in your division with eight and eight and stuff like that. I think that'd be poor. I, th- I think we need at least nine wins. I'm predicting 11. Um, so te- sort of nine and 10 is where you got to be. We need to be into the playoffs. I think that is the key thing. So it, at the end of the day, if you go eight and eight and you make the playoffs and then you win one playoff game, you've had a better season than if you go 10 and six and lose your first playoff game. So, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter 
how you get to the playoffs in the grand scheme of stuff. It just matters that you got there um, and then it's what you do once you get into the playoffs. Okay, fair point. Now, I was speaking to someone on the podcast this weekend. We were saying, like, he was saying any improvement on last season would be a benefit. I'm thinking, well, is eight and eight really that much of an improvement? No. No, it's not, it's not good enough. Um, and pe- people don't like it when I've said this. Freddie Kitchens is on one of the hottest seats in the NFL in terms of coaching hire. He's never been a head coach before. And, and that is a factor that puts you on the hot seat. It's a risk. You saw what happened in Arizona last year. Steve Wilkes had one year. They didn't like him. They were happy to move on. And it is a ruthless world. Being a head coach of an NFL team is tough. The bookies have got him as the fifth most likely to win the Super Bowl. And expectations are high. You have the most expensive roster in NFL history. And you've got the biggest overspend in cap percentage since 2011, maybe further, in NFL history. These are a massive commitment to the team. And that comes with added pressure. And and that's fine. Freddie knows what he's getting into. But with that pressure, if, if he's not able to sort of go on and win a playoff game, Dorsey's, and everyone said it's the two-year window, he wanted to go all in before a potential holdout in 2021. If you're going all in for two years and you don't think your head coach is the guy to do it after one year, you make that change and you bring in a veteran head coach and you go, look, we're going to go again. Um, so don't... I know it doesn't sound good at the minute, and I think Freddie will be here because I think he'll do fine this season. But if Freddie doesn't quite click, I don't think they're going to be afraid to just cut him and get another head coach in. So um, it's a brutal world. And if you are in the probably most talented team the NFL's potentially ever seen, that comes with a lot of expectation. I'm going to disagree with you on this point because I think with like Jimmy and D, they backed you even though he was... As, as we know, a poor uh, record, and they gave him two years or two and a half years. I couldn't see the Haslam's uh, cutting. I could see Kitchen could have two bad seasons, and the Haslam's I don't think would cut him. That's my view. There's a big difference between we were in the rebuilding years, and yeah, we were a couple of win, sort of three wins a year under what we were expecting. We're now in a period where the expectation is to be competing for a Super Bowl. And that expectation is different. It's a two-year window. It's all in. And Hugh got more life than he deserved, but that's a different game. If you, if you get rid of Freddie after this year because he went, let's say, 8-8, eight and eight, and then first playoff game, lost that playoff game, got blown out, then they might be going, this isn't good enough. Look at the team and the improvement we made from last year to this year. And all we managed to do was actually worse. If you take the second half of last season, we did a lot better than four and four. We looked better team. We're the second best offense in the league. If we stall and go eight and eight would actually be a backwards move compared to Freddie's tenure as a head coach. Freddie is under pressure. I'm not saying I want to get rid of Freddie. I think Freddie will be great. Freddie will do really well. But do not be surprised if we get to the end of this year, say we go eight and eight and miss out on the playoffs, Freddie could easily be the full guy for that. All right. Interesting view there, Jack. And uh, Matt, I think it's really important when people um, 
uh, interact with you on Twitter and listen to the show is that you're a massive uh, Njuku fan. You're you're a massive uh, Kitchens fan. Uh, but you just say like this is what could happen, and you're not trying to be a scaremonger. You're just saying, look, this is realistic. This could happen. We don't live in a world where everything is an NFL Madden. You know, this is real life, and these things can happen. Yeah, that, and it's the understanding that when I say I think Dorsey might do something, that's my guess on what Dorsey might do. That's not. If I was Dorsey, I would do this. And, and those two are very different. So when I talk about Dorsey might use Freddie as the full guy if the season doesn't go well and bring in more experienced head coach, that's not saying I want to get rid of Freddie. That's saying I think Dorsey might do this. In the same way when I said I think Dorsey's going to get rid of Derek Kindred because he's being paid too much money because of the PPE increase, that wasn't me saying I'd get rid of Derek Kindred. I would have. But I'm sort of explaining what I believe and what I'm seeing and um, that's there and uh, the one other thing that I wanted to touch on there was a guy called Marcus Ben Dixon so at Ben Dixon NFL on Twitter he put in a load of data from team PFF grades and then compared it to win percentage and then done a load of R squared analysis and there was three things that he found there was a really really good um correlation between um i'm gonna go through the things that didn't have a good correlation and if it didn't have a good correlation this means there's not good evidence to say x thing results in more wins so the things that he found out as not important based on the win percentage numbers and you can go look at all his charts on twitter he's used all the data from 2011 to 2018 Things that he found that didn't impact winning was run, pass blocking, run blocking, run defense, tackling, and pass rush. He found all those things didn't really matter. We're talking tiny little um, R-squared correlation. The three things he found that had a big impact on whether teams win was ability to pass the ball, ability to receive the ball, and coverage. And that's something that I've been banging on about, PFF's been banging on about, coverage is important, passing the ball is important, and being able to catch the ball. Things like pass rush didn't really impact it. And some people went in deep for analysts, analytics explaining that. And stuff like, if you throw the ball really quick, then your offensive line doesn't matter and the pass rush is irrelevant. And it, stuff like that is out there. So I'd recommend just jumping over to his Twitter, having a look at some of the charts. There's a lot of data goes into stuff like that. And where it's looking at correlation and win percentage, it, it, it's a really good judge. Um, and no, it's, it was interesting to see. So when people are sitting there going, yeah, coverage matters more, there's actually the evidence there, coverage versus pass rush, which one matters the most. Obviously, you need both because if you have no defensive backs that are any good, then the quarterback can throw the ball in one, two seconds. If you've got no pass rush at all, then the wide receivers have got all day to get free. So it, there is a balance, but average pass rush is perfectly fine. Elite coverage actually makes a difference. Mate, you learn something new every day. Yes. Um, it, it's um, oh, a shout out to the guy that... Danish guy, wasn't it? Yeah, Danish guy did the study, but um, one of our long-time listeners, re- really nice chap, um, Giovanni Ruiz was the one that I think he was on the first uh, 
Paul Super Show, if I'm right. I'm 99% sure he was on that. If not, I'm sorry. Um, he actually just tagged me in it and said, oh, have you seen this? And um, no, anytime there's some really interesting stat stuff out there, guys, tag me in it. Um, I, I love to learn more and no, stuff like that. It, it's about learning. And um, I'd encourage all fans, there's so much good content people are creating on Twitter. Have a click around, follow some of these people. It's, uh, it's well worth it. Jack, are you free Tuesday and Wednesday night? Tuesday and Wednesday night? Let's do, a, let's do a late one for our listeners. Let's do a super show this week. Maybe on... No, my mate's over from the US, so I'm out oh. Tuesday and Wednesday. Um, he's over from Dallas. Um, used to live in the UK. He went over there, got married, and um, no, he's back in the UK, so I'm seeing him Tuesday and Wednesday. Is he a Cowboys fan? Yep. All right, nice. All right, good. Well, look, me and you can catch up after the show and look at some of the availability to do a uh, super show. So uh, that'd be good. All right, Jack, anything else you want to cover this week? Um, no, obviously, uh, I'd say Tuesday, Thursday would be a good day to do the super show, but that's going to be the draft show on Friday. So that won't work. Um, yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll have a look at it offline. Yep. All right, guys. Do you want to say I've got a huge NFL guest coming on midweek? I've also got another state show already booked in. And please keep the feedback, subscribing, everything. Just, 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 the numbers are still going up and up and up. Uh, we must be doing something right, Jack. I don't know what it is, but we're doing something right. I, I don't know. Since, since I've gone down, in shows have gone up a bit. So uh, it, it must be on you, mate. <laughs> mate, mate, mate. That's not true. That's not true. <laughs> All right, guys. Mate, we've got Ken Carmen on. Ken Carmen can turn anything around. I love King Carmen. He's great. All right. Danger Zone is here. <laughs>